0: we're back! Back again for another season of Wine School Dropout. This season is super special to me as it is an abroad season from a destination that was at the top of my bucket list. Before we get to this season though, I want to talk to you about what's going on with Wine School Dropout in general. We started this podcast bringing you episodes to give you a basic understanding of wine. Like what do vintages really mean? Why is wine priced the way it is? What makes sparkling wine sparkling? Things like that. Then we moved into introducing you to the people that work in and around the wines you drink on an international level. You really like that. So you spoke and we listened. Going forward, Wine School Dropout will stay true to its name, still schooling you, but not talking about the tasting notes and such. We'll be talking about regions, culture, food pairings, where to go for the greatest wine experiences. Sound good? Think of it as an ears on, because it's a podcast. Learning experience that you wouldn't get in a formal classroom or in school. You'll learn grapes and soil and winemakers, and also the best places to travel for wine and what to expect when you arrive. What do you think about that? Still along for the ride? Fantastic. Let's get into our newest season, Season 5, Wine School Dropout, Semester Abroad. I gave a little teaser at the end of last week's episode, mentioning champagne. Any other region outside of champagne must call their sparkling wine something else, even if they use the same method. I had the pleasure of meeting Andiswa Mafeba. At a wine dinner, she mentioned that she brought some of the wine she made to the dinner. The sparkling wine she made. This young, Black, African woman is in the wine industry and making sparkling wines at a major producer in South Africa? Clearly, we had to talk more. In today's episode, you'll hear Andiswa's story of how she got into wine, sparkling wine, and what's going on in the South African wine industry right now. Enjoy. Tell everyone who you are and what
2: do you do?
1: Ah, well, firstly,
2: thank you for having me. Um, I'm Deezwa. I am a South African classic winemaker. I work for Boschendal Wines and this is, started working with them on the 1st of December last year. So this was my first vintage with them. Before that, I was working for the style that I think most people know. I was also doing capless and barrel maturation. I am 31 years of age, and I really like saying that. Yeah, and I have a sheer passion for, for senses. I have a sheer passion for tasting smelling and everything but more importantly i have a sheer passion for capresec how i got introduced to Seek was i kind of sort of fell into it and it just became such a passion for me and i think it's one of the wines that that are truly truly rewarding you give back it gives back tenfold of what the, the amount of effort that you give so yeah i am loving every part of Seek.
0: Now, for those listeners that don't
2: quite know, can you please explain to us Cap Classique? So, Cap Classique is basically the South African um, version of Champenois, uh, Method Champenois. So, in South Africa, we would then call it Method Cap Classique. Um, Cup comes from the word cape. Classic means just a classic wine. It's an elegant wine, it's finesse um, and everything else. Um, so. It is basically very much similar to um, Champenois method, but obviously the grapes are all South African and yeah, from the South African soil. And also I'm sure you've tasted, um, there are certain differences that um, are quite prevalent in in Cape Classic as opposed to um, method Champenois wines, purely because of the terroir.
0: What are the grapes that you use? Because in Champagne, they use uh, Pinot Noir, Pinot Meunier, and Chardonnay. I know you have Chardonnay in South Africa, and I think some Pinot Noir as well. What are the grapes that are in the blend uh, for
2: Kepkosi? So, mainly the grapes that are being used are, um, as you say, Chardonnay, we have Pinot Noir, and Pinot Meunier. Even though we don't have much of the Pinot Meunier. But more importantly, I think because South Africa has been blessed with so much good Chenin Blancs. A couple of the wine um winemakers are are also experimenting with Chenin Blancs. Um, some of uh, well. Some of, we also have experimented a bit with uh Pinotage. So um, I think the scale in which what we can give into um Caplistic is growing. So it's not just the traditional stuff. It also has that South African feel to it.
0: What are some of the differences in the final product of Cap Classique versus champagne? Maybe the flavors of the grapes and then the flavors of the
2: resulting sparkling wine. How are
0: those different?
2: There is definitely a a flavor difference. Personally, I've never um, tasted grapes from champagne, but based on science and what we know, obviously, the the total acidity in in champagne grapes and obviously champagne wine would then naturally be higher because of the the fact that it's colder winters and obviously um it's just the way of a terroir whereas south african summers are really warm there's um the terroir is then produces uh riper grapes but at at a very natural ripeness, so obviously when you taste the your juice, it it will be slightly um, more of which is not what you want actually. More of slight slight thials, but the right concentration of thials that you then obviously get in your in your seat But when I say slight, it's very it's very minimal because you don't want because. Cappuccino and champagne are such delicate wines. You don't want anything that will overpower um your cappuccino. Yeah, so it's it's mainly the the, the ripeness and obviously the, the 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 acidity. In the Southern Hemisphere, we are allowed to add acid. And I know in France, um, no acidity is needed because it's not needed, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so we adjust our acidities. Um obviously based as per winemaker's choice as to how much they want. And obviously during the winemaking process, there's also dropout. So there's a lot of things to consider when it comes to acidity, especially obviously when you are based in the the southern hemisphere.
0: So it seems like there's a lot of science that goes into this, which is a, a slightly different than the um, other styles of winemaking because this requires um, the two fermentations and a little bit more manipulation than with other things. Are there a lot of uh, kept producers? Is there a large production of uh, Keb in South Africa?
2: Based on, well, the, the proportion of producers... Um, Kapilisik producers, um, as opposed to other still wine producers, they it's growing. Uh, I think we have over one hundred capricic producers that are in the Classic association. Um, but obviously, there are people who are not a part of the Classic association that may not be well known. It's a growing, it's a growing um art because that's what winemaking is. It's a growing art, and I think more and more people. And more and more, more consumers are starting to appreciate Cap Classique, even if it's um, within South Africa or globally.
0: For you, why Cap Classique as opposed to uh, making anything else in South Africa? Then why just focus on
2: Cap Classique? Well, why Cap Classique? And I think I was fortunate enough to um, be in a position to make Cap Classique but I didn't read too much into it. But once I delved into it deeper and deeper, that's when I knew that there's nothing else that I'd rather make other than clap Classique. It's time, it's effort, but it's so gratifying. And for me, I always say Cap Classique is like, you're given a, a blank canvas and you can just paint whatever you like and your efforts are equivalent to to the amount of ink you're adding the more effort you add the more, the more ink and paint and color that you add it's yeah like i said it's an art and um i think the more you give the the more you get so that's what is it is for me and for me i think the taste is subjective but for me i think my palate is more inclined to taste um delicate flavors Um, And to make, obviously, something as delicate and fine and as elegant as Cap Classique. Yes, I enjoy a good red wine every now and then, but my go-to is Cap Classique.
0: What do you think is something that people get wrong about Cap Classique or something that you wish people knew about
2: Cap Classique? Personally, uh I think I'll speak for most South Africans. It's not champagne. <laughs> they use the word
0: champagne <sighs> in such a generic way. Everything sparkling is champagne.
2: Yeah. Capcassin, Prosecco, Cava. It's all champagne. It's exactly. All champagne. Um, it's not champagne. We're not competing with champagne. It's something different and it's something different that also deserves a chance within this. When I say sparkling wine world and I think a lot of people when it comes to South African wines a lot of people just see the price of the wine and they immediately um, think that you're not going to get that value for that whereas South African wines are well priced and you are getting so much more um, when it comes to the value and the pricing. Now I read a little
0: bit about you and you kind of got into wine and specifically kept classique in an interesting way. Can you lead us through that a little bit?
2: Yeah, my path was very interesting. Um, I got introduced to, I didn't even know it was a a discipline or a science that you could go into. So growing up, I was very, I'd say I was a bit nerdy, but I like to have a little fun and I like to be different. So um, end of my 12th grade, which is a trick, I obviously now had to decide um, what careers I'm gonna focus on. And um, as soon as I got this dinner within that, I got a scholarship to study winemaking and I got accepted at this uh, University of Stellenbosch, but my family said, no, you are not going there. You are gonna um, study anything else, <laughs> anything but. Um, and I know within the African community, something like wine is, is frowned upon because it's associated with alcoholism, it has bad connotations, and so on. But I managed to <laughs> end up in Stellenbosch um, the following year, I'm through a lot of begging and some tears. Um, I then started with my viticulture and degree from Stellenbosch, and I went on Actually, during that time in in my fourth year, I did an internship and then I realized, hey, there's so much more to winemaking or the wine industry other than actual winemaking. And then instead of going straight to work after I finished my degree, I then went on to do my master's in um, consumer sensory research because I wanted to learn more about the senses. Like I said, I'm like, I think I'm a sense freak. (laughs) I wanted to learn more about the senses and how to better position your product, how to read consumers' perceptions in order to make the best product as possible. And I think it was in the South African scope that is something that is still missing. Um, But I mean, Rome was not built in a day. I think we're making good strides towards that. Afterwards, I. Got myself the job after nine months of searching. And I started with the style and I was there for three vintages. And then afterwards, where I was um doing sick, and um looking after barrels. So I was doing barrel maturation also. And then I um started working for Boschad DGB. So it's been it's been a short stint I mean we have got winemakers that have worked for, for a very long time, and I think I was fortunate and blessed and also obviously through hard work. enough to to gain positions in, in very big corporations and have very big roles um, at such a short amount of time, but I think it all it's all hard work and just being prepared.
0: Absolutely. And the fact yeah. that you just kind of kept going and kept building on, like, okay, I am interested. So let me apply for this program. Okay, let me go mm. to school. Okay, let me try to get this internship. Okay, you got that internship. And just kind of kept going down that path and through your um, persistence, consistency, and then also your hard work.
2: Yeah, that's very true. And I think that's something that. You have this thing called imposter syndrome. Just uh, like a drop of imposter syndrome helps you to push even harder.
0: So this is the nice Mm. and light and good part. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, I do want to ask you, because people are listening to this, so they don't know that you are a Black South African. Yes. How many other Black South African winemakers are there? Are there a large quantity considering it is Africa?
2: No, considering the amount of the proportion of Black people in Africa and in South Africa and the amount of winemakers, there's definitely a shortage. And this is something obviously most people don't wanna, it's still the elephant in the room. They don't really want to talk about it because they're the minority. And there's definitely a lot of growth that needs to be to be instilled. But I think if it wasn't for, for instance, from for me, I got a scholarship from the Department of Agriculture, Forestry and Fisheries. Because I mean, um, tertiary, going to tertiary as a, as anyone is expensive. So for me, I had no other choice but to get a scholarship. Otherwise I would not have gone to university or even lasted that long. So I think there are strides that are being made by our government and their small spaces like the Kunetaj Youth Development Academy that are not necessarily to have having um tertiary qualifications, but they are advancing people of color into the wine industry, as well as the protege program, which also um, only allows non-white graduates. So it's it's growing, but there's a big lack.
0: What do you think is the biggest challenge for having more people of color in South Africa in the wine industry? Is it education, is it money, is it lack of opportunity, is it people not feeling welcome?
2: It is multi-led, actually it's everything. It's everything that you just said, because going back to, if we look at South Africa's past, apartheid led to everything that you've just mentioned. And obviously having a past like that is going to instill fear for industries like the wine industry. It, it is going to instill some sort of disinterest because it is associated with a certain group of people. So I think yeah, it's 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 really multilayered. And once you get actually get into the wine industry, you soon get to realize realize that it's all fear. It is all fear. You just need to put yourself out there, and yeah, the rest is gonna work out for itself if you put yourself out there.
0: What would you say personally has been one of your biggest challenges in the wine industry itself, or in winemaking?
2: One of my biggest challenges within the wine industry is. I'm like, well. I mean. It, I think also the, the, the distribution of males to male to female, that's another challenge, but it's also growing. There are a number of women who are, for instance, the cellar masters, or they are head winemakers for a division within the wine, wine companies. So it's still, I think gender also plays a role.
0: And sometimes age as well, because the wine industry tends to be much older than we are. And some people are thinking like, oh, well, what do you know? You haven't been drinking wine that long. You haven't been doing this long enough. And it's like, mm-hmm. well, you have to start somewhere. Like we exactly. don't just wake up and we're 75. Okay. We have to start <laughs> at 21 and then that is so true. get so
2: That is so true. That's very true. And obviously, like for for instance, a person like me, when I started with winemaking, I was drinking sweet cheap wine and I wasn't supposed to. We all team. start somewhere. We all start you know? there. We all start there. And as soon as I got into it, then obviously it's an acquired taste. Alcohol well, alcohol's an acquired taste. It's an acquired art. You get better at it. And obviously with some time you 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 become that that what you want to be. And I think obviously, as you mentioned, age does play a role. It really does because you you have you have people that were raised in cellars who you have people that used to go in with their fathers or whoever or their opus tasting wines in the cellar whereas you only started tasting wines at the age of 19 or 20 when you got to varsity
0: that question may have been um uh... I asked about challenges, so it may have been challenging to answer mm. and also not as light and breezy as the rest of this interview. So let's change it up a little bit. What is one of your accomplishments that you are
2: the most proud of? If I should say, I think that the more experience I get in the industry, the more I shock myself. Like I got into this doll, and then I was like, Wow, I'm doing this. Now I'm making the doll cut classique. And I can truly say without bashing any people that this year for me has been the year for me when it comes to the quality of wine I've made. It really has. So I think the further I go, the more I surprise myself. So the base wines were, I mean, I was shocked. But it's that effort, that effort that you put in, that's why Seek is so gratifying. And you're only gonna get better. Yeah. So it's it's actually amazing.
0: If you mm-hmm. weren't making wine, what do you think you would be doing?
2: If I wasn't making wine, I would have gone into a different discipline that also involves senses. Um, I think I would go into the aroma, aroma um therapy or perfumery. I was
0: gonna say you'd be making perfume, um, nice. Yeah.
2: I would definitely do something like that.
0: When you aren't drinking Cap Classique, what are you Mm -hmm. drinking?
2: White wine. (laughs) Red wine is for food, I tell you. Red wine for me is just for food. Um, I enjoy a nice and light white wine, or if I'm having white wine and food, then I like a, a, a white wine that's more on the rich and ripe scope of life. But I am I'm very light. I like delicate, delicate styles and delicate flavors.
0: What advice would you give to other women or other people of color that are considering getting into the wine industry?
2: Okay, so I would say first you do not doubt yourself. Anything is possible if you put your mind to it and once you get in there don't get too comfortable don't get too comfortable i'm not saying be scared or be always be on the lookout just do not get too comfortable be consistent in your craft do the checks do the research and for me i would say as an introvert network is very important yes you'll be cringing like for the for an hour or so and go back home and knock your head over a wall, <laughs> onto a wall it will all be worth it do not get comfortable yeah don't relax I, I was listening to a podcast the other day and this gentleman said the thing about the youth today they tend to leave situations because they are not um fulfilled because they think that they're not doing or getting what they love but sometimes in order to do or get what you love you have to be uncomfortable for that for for that little little moment and then you'll be you'll be good that's just a hurdle that you need to cross over that's what i've learned yeah
0: sometimes we are so Mm. close to a breakthrough or making it but we're like no this isn't it Um, I'm not going to get there I'm uncomfortable and then just turn around and and move into something else with a lot of things as evidenced by um, your career and some things that you've said already being persistent and then also Mm -hmm. consistency you have to do the same thing over and over again Mm -hmm. in order to get results and that some people just kind of quit too soon or stop too soon
2: it doesn't work like that. So I think with the little expense that I've the amount of expense that I've that's what I've learned and I've kept to it.
0: So what's next for you? What else do you want to do this year and the next few years with um, uh, Cap Classique, with
2: uh, Boshadal? So what's next for me is that I will continue to do what I'm doing because I think something like Cap Classique is something that needs to be perfected. And I am not where I want to be when it comes to my craft and my art. So I will continue. And if avenues open up, they open up. But I will continue to do what I'm doing and do, do it the best way I know how to and do the research that I need to do in order to, to become the best, or to get to where I want. Okay. Thank
0: you. I yeah. love that. I love that. If we want to find your wines, are you just mainly in South Africa or do you export uh, to the States or Europe or anywhere else?
2: No, we export to the States and, and Europe. The States, I know there's Cape Classics, we also stock through urban grape, but the States, anywhere that, has, that is distributed by DGB will definitely have um, Washington. And then in, in the UK, Waitrose, And then, obviously, I think we're very, also very um, popular in in the Scandinavian countries, Norway, um, Sweden. I'll
0: pop up to London and um, grab some, no problem. Please do. (laughs) Again, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you um, doing this interview, and I can't wait to share you and your story with the
2: world. Thank
0: you so much, and it's it's an absolute pleasure. What a story, right? I just love Andiswa's enthusiasm and fresh approach to life, winemaking, and just what she wants to do in her career. I kind of wish I had her insight at her age, but I guess we get what we need when we need it, yeah? this is definitely a rising star in the winemaking industry of South Africa and specializing in Cap Classique further sets her apart from the pack. If you want more information about the wine she makes at Bolchendal, visit their website, B-O-S-C-H-E-N-D-A-L.com. They're also under social media at the same name, Bolchendal. And special thank you to Tawani Price wine school dropout wine around the world season two episode six guest go back and listen to that episode for more information on south africa thank you for listening to wine school dropout this podcast was produced by studio chinta and hosted by me tanisha townsend our executive producer is Lori martinez Sound design and production by Luis Lopez. Production coordination by Catalina Hoyos. Our theme was done by Gabrielle Damaso. Music is by Makai Beats. Our art is by Tiffany DeLune. Follow us at Wine School Dropout on Instagram. If you like the show, tell a friend about it and leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, sit back, relax, and have a glass.